Nearly three dozen volunteer boards and commissions advise Asheville City Council. One focuses on sustainability, another on transportation, another on planning and zoning. There's a noise advisory board, a board of electrical examiners, and an African American Heritage Commission. Many of these boards have a growing problem. A lot of the volunteers have left, and city staff are having trouble replacing them they felt like their voices were not being heard, right? They would spend so much time working on these things and they present their findings to council. And yet when things didn't change, they just feel like, what have we been doing for the last six months or however long it takes to put some of these things together? If you're not even responding or listening, it just feels like you're screaming into a vacuum. I'm Matt Pikin. My guest today on The Overlook is Brooke Randall, the city government reporter with Mountain Express. She breaks down how these boards and commissions work, the politics that can steer council away from their recommendations, and what happened to a city plan to drastically cut back on these commissions. Erin Fowler is a commercial photographer. You can find her on Instagram as Scraps of Lace. She specializes in photographing couples and has a real knack for capturing just the right scenes at weddings. But she also takes on the role of event planner. Say you come to Erin wanting engagement photos. On the day of the shoot, Erin could bring you to a vineyard. We might set up a day of them playing games because they love to just play together. Or if they like nature more, then maybe we're doing a hike and then we're finding a place like a covered bridge to like set up their games and they're sitting there and they're having some drinks and playing their games and including that in their special day because that's something they love to do all the time. Erin also prepares for the unexpected. Like I have an emergency kit and in it I have first aid stuff, I have fleece line leggings, I have sunscreen, I have like all the things. So if you want a photographer who sees more than what shows up through her lens, look up Erin Fowler at scrapsoflacephotography.com or on Instagram as scrapsoflace. I began my conversation with Brooke Randall by asking her to summarize how these boards and commissions work. In Asheville, we have, I think it's about 30 different boards and commissions, and their role is to advise the city council and to provide recommendations to the city council on different topics. Are these all volunteer boards? And where do these people come from to be on boards? They are all volunteer boards. About 10 of the boards are state mandated or quasi-judicial. For example, the Tourism Development Authority is one of those boards. There's about 10 of these boards that are in that kind of quasi-judicial or state-mandated boards. Those are different than the citizen advisory board. So we have about 20 of those, and that's where a lot of my reporting is focused around. Okay, so let's focus on those citizen advisory boards. Give us a range of the kind of causes or focuses that they have. Yeah, so all different things related to the city. For example, the Urban Forestry Commission focuses on how different developments may impact the tree canopy in Asheville. The Multimodal Transportation Commission focuses on things like bike lanes and pedestrian safety. The 
planning and zoning obviously is helping advise on different development projects that are coming to before the city council. Now, it's interesting to me that these are all volunteer boards. Who would even want to volunteer for them? Give me a sense of the people and their backgrounds and impetuses for being on a board or commission. Yeah, I think that it's a whole range of people. Some people are maybe experts in the field, but a lot of people are just lay people who are interested and passionate about these topics. So you don't necessarily have to have a background in transportation to serve on the transit committee, for example. You could just be a bus rider. So you're invested just because it personally affects you or you just care about a certain topic. Have you gone to some of these meetings that are from all volunteer citizen advisory committees? I've watched a few. Yeah. What are they like? Because I imagine like city council operates, they have very strict timing of certain things. Are these freewheeling conversations? (laughs) What happens? No, they're pretty put together in a similar way. They have an agenda, right? And they meet at a designated time, either monthly or bi-monthly. And no, they're pretty put together. So they'll have policy ideas on their agenda. And there's discussion amongst the board members about how to best tackle this. So an example could be there is the, I think it's called the Sustainable Sustainability Advisory Committee. They've just recently changed the name. They were tasked with looking at a plastic reduction ordinance last summer. Okay. And some people call this the plastic bag ban. What would this look like in Asheville? What are the legal implications of this? How would this impact the environment here? So they're tasked with drilling down, researching, looking at other cities and seeing how other cities have implemented this kind of ordinance. They pull all of that information together and give it to the city council and say, here's what we've learned. This is what we recommend. That seems like pretty important work. Do all these citizen advisory committees ultimately advise city council? Yes, that's right. So the idea is that there's these sometimes very complex policy ideas, and the city council doesn't have the time or resources to really drill down. That's where these citizen advisory boards can really spend the time and research and provide those recommendations to the city council. And ideally, the council is listening to those recommendations. These advisory committees, they don't have any power unto themselves. They're just preparing reports. How often do you see that city council simply goes with these recommendations or is there a real pushback? Give me a sense of how much credence does city council put in these reports? I think that's very dependent on what the specific policy is and what the recommendations are from the board. And I think, for example, going back to the plastic ban, plastic bag ban, that was a recommendation that the council listened to. They took that recommendation and they unanimously approved phase one of that a few months after the board came to that conclusion. So that's an example of they're directly listening to the citizens who have done the work and presented the recommendation. However, that's not guaranteed. And I think that is part of the frustration that some people feel, some board members may feel, they spend so much time 
putting this work in research into a policy idea, making a recommendation, and then it appears that the council does not take that recommendation into consideration when they're making a decision. I would think that would have been a frustration from the very beginning of these boards and commissions that not every one of their recommendations is served by the council. When did it start becoming an issue to the point where people would leave or just were fed up or felt they didn't have a place or role anymore there? So I think that this is also a multifaceted issue. I think that we saw a huge wave of resignations during, I think it was 2020 to 2021. The city had temporarily suspended the boards and commissions right, you know, at the start of COVID, saying they were doing it for safety reasons. They didn't want people to meet, obviously, at that time. And they wanted to stay in compliance with open meetings laws. So there was questions about whether these boards could meet virtually even. So I think people were very frustrated at that. So a lot of people left. But I think that the longstanding issues have to do with participation overall. I think that there has been lower participation. And when there's lower participation, it just takes longer to do things. It takes longer to come up with recommendations or even have a quorum of people meeting if you just don't have people showing up. And when I've spoken to current and former board members about this, part of it did have to do with the fact that they felt like their voices were not being heard, right? They would spend so much time working on these things and they present their findings to council. And yet when things didn't change, they just feel like, what have we been doing for the last six months or however long it takes to put some of these things together? If you're not even responding or listening, it just feels like you're screaming into a vacuum. Yeah. Give me a specific example, if you can, of a recommendation from one of these councils or boards that either the board or commission was surprised that city council went in a certain direction or the work they did wasn't given a lot of credence. I can't name a specific example, but I will say that I I remember watching a meeting of the Human Relations Commission. And so this commission is tasked with promoting equity in different areas of city government and the city. And a board member decided to resign during the meeting. And they, in their comments to the board, were just saying how they feel like it was just performative. They feel like the whole thing was just not, the council's not really listening to them, not really listening to their recommendations. They felt frustrated by the speed of government. It takes a long time to make change. And I think that all of those frustrations just bubbled up. So not a specific issue, I think. It was just more of, again, just not feeling heard and just feeling like this isn't really, what is what is the purpose of convening all these people if you're not like listening to what we're recommending? That's something that I would think is a common occurrence at city council. Tell me if I'm wrong here, that The city council people, they're politicians, certainly at a lower level, but they've got political concerns and political positioning to be mindful of and how their votes are going to ring publicly. And do you think that whatever the boards and commissions come back with, these city council members already have their own positions on most issues and that it takes a lot to sway them off of whatever their position would be, including any of these reports or recommendations that would come from a committee that might go against their own inclination? 
I think that it's important to just put it on the record, right? Even if council members may have their mind made up about a certain policy, to show that the board that is specifically focused on this issue is recommending this, and a council member is still choosing to not vote in agreement with that recommendation, that's just important for us to all have, just as it's important for people to speak during public comment and make their opinions known, even if the council doesn't necessarily become swayed by those opinions. It's important to just say that this is what this group has found after doing a lot of research and work on this topic. Want to see some fantastic theater for free? There are four remaining productions on the Magnetic Theater's 2023 calendar, and we're randomly giving away two pairs of tickets to each of them. Just sign up for the Overlook's weekly newsletter. Anyone subscribed by the end of April is eligible. Go to podavl.com, that's P-O-D-A-V-L.com, and scroll to the bottom of the homepage. Plug in your name and email address on the newsletter sign-up form, and you might be become a new fan of the Magnetic Theater, thanks to The Overlook. Now, you mentioned a bit ago that you were noticing just a general lack of participation on these boards or commissions. When you say that were fewer people on these boards or commissions just showing up to meetings and they wouldn't have enough for a quorum, or were the people who were there just checked out and you just could feel a palpable lack of interest and enthusiasm? I think it's more the former. I think the people that are there really care about what they're doing. They're really setting time aside, not only for those monthly meetings, but the research and everything it takes to come up with those recommendations in their own free time. So I I think it was more just, yeah, if there's not enough folks involved in the meetings themselves, then yeah, it's just hard to get work done. And that becomes frustrating to everybody. I want to talk about the proposal that they released February of last year to completely overhaul its boards and commissions. So as I mentioned before, there's around 20 citizen advisory boards. They wanted to bring this number down to four. Okay, so drastically cutting the amount of people who can participate. Why? Because of some of these issues that we've talked about, because of the frustration that people were feeling, low participation, I think that the idea was if we consolidate some of these boards, there's overlap here and there, maybe we would have greater participation by fewer people. Obviously, this was met with a lot of backlash. Backlash from people on the boards and committees or from the public at large? I think both. Really? Definitely both. People were very frustrated and shocked when it came out because, A, it seemed like a done deal. This was released in a press release in a way that made it seem like the city had already made this decision and this is what was happening. So already there's a lack of trust because there's no public input on such a hugely important facet of civic participation. And then, yeah, the just the thought of shutting more people out of the political process and the civic process just really obviously rubbed people the wrong way. That was interesting that it's even framed as a proposal because the way you talked about it was that it was already 
written down that this is what's going to happen. And we're just letting you know that, that this is what's going to happen. That is how it felt. Absolutely. It felt like it was a done deal when they released it. Was that written by council or was it written by city, like the city manager or? So I'll give you the backstory as far as I know. So interestingly, the press release on this came out sometime in February of last year. However, we heard about it for the first time during a city council meeting during public comment. There was a commenter, Patrick Conant, who is a governmental transparency advocate here in Asheville. He had been requesting materials from the council check-ins. I think you did an episode about that. And so one of the documents that was produced um, had information about this restructuring. And this went back, I think, to fall of 2021. So clearly the discussions were already happening, right? And by the time we got that formal press release from the city, this, it felt so ironed out already. Did that surprise you about the backlash? Because I would be a little surprised that the general public would, that they would even have a knowledge. You know, people who are not on boards and committees, they're probably not often showing up to these meetings and everything happens a little under the radar. Even though you're a city government reporter, I can't imagine you're covering every one of these commissions and board meetings. So a lot of these things happen under the cloak of darkness in a sense, or at least nobody's paying much attention. Did it surprise you that there was this kind of backlash? I wasn't really surprised. And I think that is what was so frustrating to people. How could you take such like a huge overhaul and have it all happening behind closed doors? And I think you're right. Maybe maybe there was a sense of nobody's participating in these boards anyway. Nobody really cares. Let's just shove it through. No one's going to. Clearly, people do care. Even folks who don't serve on these committees understand the value. I hope that they understand the value that they bring to the process. And I think that in general, people just, yeah, they do care about civic participation. They do care about being involved in the government. So even if you've never served on a board yourself, I think that we can all appreciate like the, these folks are helping shape the policies that impact all of us. So what happened when this backlash happened? How did city council respond? Yeah, city staffers basically created a lot of opportunities for public input, and they did several information sessions to try to explain how this was going to benefit the boards and commissions. Ultimately, they created, I think at the time it was called a restructuring working group. So again, citizen volunteers, anybody could join it and provide input on this proposal. So that group convened for the first time in May of last year. They were supposed to wrap up by September of last year. However, what they found was that this proposal was just not going to work. That people were not happy with it, how it was laid out, and the city ultimately dropped it. It's completely dropped it. They didn't try to revise it, saying we'll maybe have 10 committees instead of 20. I think where it's at now, so the restructuring working group, which I think is now called the realignment working group, they are tasked with still figuring out what are the issues, what's working, what's not working, how can we fix this? But as far as I can tell, that proposal that they released last February is off the table. You know what that tells me, and tell me if I'm reading this wrong, that it was an arbitrary 
gesture in a sense that we're just going to cut this and people won't notice and we don't really value these committees anyway. Because if they're going to cut from 20 to four, what does that say about what the work that these committees are doing and how council members are taking it? Am I wrong in reading it that way that it was more just... Hey, if they're going to, if the public's going to bark at us that loudly, okay, let's just go back to having the committees. I think that's right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So now once they walked that back or ran that back, (laughs) where does that sit now? How staffed are these committees or unstaffed or understaffed are they? Yeah, I think, like I said, there, there's been this steady drumbeat of people continuing to resign their positions. Without new people coming on, is this happening just in one direction? Yes, I would say so. It does seem like more of a negative flow than positive flow. But so the city basically, anytime there's resignations that month, they will try to fill those seats during one of the city council meetings. There's a a city council committee that's focused on reviewing applications and making those appointments to seats. So this is something that they do each month. Just this last month in March, there were eight vacancies and seven of those were due to resignations. Are there term limits? There are. I think it might be slightly different between board to board, but I wanna say that it's a three-year term Usually you can serve on up to two boards at the same time. And I think it's a two-year term limit for those seats. Okay. They've put out this call now for people to come on. Is this the first time, to your knowledge, that they've had to do something like this? And what's been the response from the public that you've been able to gauge? So they do put out these calls regularly. They're always posting, hey, we've got these seats open. We're seeking folks to to be appointed to these seats. What's changing is normally this would be a monthly appointment process where they're trying to fill these seats each month. That's now going to go down to four to five times a year in part because they need more time to find people who are actually going to serve on these boards for an extended period of time. They're actually trying to find people who are interested. So aside from just putting out a call, are they actively recruiting people and asking individuals? I don't know. That's a good question. As far as I can tell, what we get at Mountain Express is the flyer, right? Right. (laughs) And we distribute that and we try to make sure people know. But I don't know that they're doing any other efforts besides that. And I could be wrong about that. From your vantage, have you seen tangible impacts of that at city council? Do city council Mm -hmm. members ever speak to, we don't have the information we are normally used to having on this issue or that issue, and we need more time to study because we don't have fully sourced information to help inform our votes? I don't think I've heard them put it quite that way. What I have heard is we don't have city staff resources to focus on this or that or whatever. But again, this is where the boards and commissions really can come in and assist with that additional work and research that it takes to create good policies. Are these boards and commissions back to meeting in person? Some of them are. I think that's on a board-by-board basis. So I would say maybe around half are meeting in person and half are still in a virtual format. Would you think that any of that, whether it's meeting virtually or in person, does that affect turnout? Does that affect Mm. or influence whether people want to be on these boards? Is that, or is that just impossible to know? I feel like it might be impossible to know. Personally, I hear a lot of 
burnout from the virtual formats from certain people. But there are other people who still really appreciate the distancing in some ways. I was just going to say, I think that for some people, it's way better, right? It creates like the opportunity to access these boards from the comfort of your home while you're watching your kids or making it just it helps increase participation in some ways because you don't have to be at a certain place at a certain time. So what should we be looking for going forward or what do you think the public would need to know about this in terms of either joining themselves or just checking in on this issue? I spoke recently with a couple of folks from the Realignment Working Group, and they said that they are in the process of analyzing survey results. So they put a survey out to current and former boards and commission members, again, just trying to understand what's working, what's not working, how can we make this better? So they are in the process of analyzing those survey results, and they will be, at some point this year, presenting recommendations to the city council about how to address this issue and make it work for everybody better. In terms of people wanting to participate on a board or commission, I think it's a really unique and meaningful way to participate in your local community, especially if you care about these specific issues related to the environment or transit or equity. I think it's really impactful and meaningful What are the demands of people? Like, is it like one, two hour meeting a month? What's involved? So I think for most of them, they're meeting monthly. Yeah, maybe a two hour meeting. Some meet bi-monthly and some just meet as needed. So it depends on which board you're involved with. And so they're all individually run and managed as well. And they each have their own cultures, I imagine. Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. Is it something that if people just go on the city website, they can see every opening and every committee and... Yep. That's right. Suss it out that way. Great. Yeah, is, there, is there anything we haven't talked about this issue that you think is important for people to know? Going back again to the city releasing this proposal last February, there being a lot of backlash, the creation of this restructuring group, and then the eventual demise of this proposal, I think is just a great example of what people can do when we get together and start talking about ideas. If we didn't have this working group in place, bad ideas can get pushed through the government. So it's incredibly, again, just important to have that feedback, have that direct communication between elected officials and the community. I want to thank my guest today, Brooke Randall of the Mountain Express. Today's conversation happened inside the BB Theater in downtown Asheville, which owners Susan and Giles Collard have been so gracious enough to open to me to record my interviews. Our theme music for The Overlook, Maker's Song, comes courtesy of the Asheville band The Resonant Rogues. The Overlook is a production of Podcast Asheville. Don't forget, we're giving away two pairs of tickets to the rest of the Magnetic Theater's productions for 2023. To be eligible, just sign up for our weekly newsletter at podavl.com. Also, please vote for The Overlook as Best Podcast, and for me as your favorite radio host, in Mountain Express's Best of WNC survey. I'm Matt Pikin, and I'll see you on the next episode of The Overlook.